New year, new us. Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where we catch up Gabriel on everything he missed while he was being homeschooled and sheltered from the real world, where we put him back into that, put the pop back into pop culture uh, as we try to um, reignite that fuse of his. Chamber another year, huh? Chamber another. Ooh, very well done, Gabe. Very well done. Now, before we continue, let's say let's say uh, a thank you to our fine sponsors. This is me practicing, by the way, when we have sponsors. So let's say oh, thank you to our perfect. sponsor, whoever. So, Gabe, uh, you don't know the year, but this time we are going to be looking at 1992. Oh, yeah, that's very different. We I went back ten anything. years because I wanted to do a drastic like. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger used to say about working out, he said, once in a while, you have to shock your muscles and do something out of routine so that your muscles don't get complacent on what, they, what they're used to. It helps them grow, he said. Or it helps them... Okay, I'm not even going to do an Arnold right. impression. <laughs> I wouldn't either. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to erase that. So 1992, Gabe, Bill Clinton is elected president of the United States of America. Much to the chagrin of conservatives everywhere. Uh, serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer goes to prison. The Mall of America, the second, second largest shopping mall in the U.S., opens in Minnesota. And the most popular names are Michael and Ashley. Okay, so, Gabe, 1992. Not, not, not hearing a Gabriel in there, most popular names. Real sad. Well, because remember, it's going to be for when the year you were born, Gabriel. Well, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> As we know, your mother was keeping up to date on Trend. on trends, Trend. and so your birth year guarantee you gave her guarantee hundred percent. All right. Also, I also I'm also imagining this is a, a biblical name. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> My brother and I both have angelic names, if not angelic natures. Aw. So, 1992. What is going on in your life? Well. I'm four. <laughs> okay. Good start. Good start. So I imagine the, the things that most four-year-olds do. Uh, I'm trying to turn every uh, uh, toy that I have into some kind of uh, gun because I'm a little boy. And despite my parents' resolute attitude that they would not expose us to violence as young children, um, whatever I saw, uh, I, I don't know the time frame of this happening, but this seems a fair time to share my uh, uh, my story about this i had a a mickey mouse doll who was in like a t-pose like he probably wanted to give you a hug right like it, it, it's like a hugging mickey mouse i would turn him sideways and hold an arm and stick his feet forward and make gun noises so my parents valiant effort to keep me away from the tools of destruction i, I had already failed well i mean i was using mickey mouse to shoot people I'm just saying they let you listen to how gun will travel. What did they expect with gun smoke in your right. ears and the Lone Ranger? It was just asking for it. Um, Basically asking for trouble. Now, did because your mother uh, was was conscious of, of how she planned on, on um, providing your schooling, it, is this like a reasonable time where, where you're going through like a quote-unquote pre-K or kindergarten phase? Presumably, yeah. 
Um, I think I wasn't really aware of it. Like I doubt because it wasn't formalized, like I'm sure she, there were educational things put in front of me. And as long as there was bright colors and it was fun, I just kind of did it. So she tricked me into learning things, I'm sure. All right. All right. Okay. So 1992, the silence of the lamb sweeps the Oscars for the 1991 movie. Uh, we've talked about your relationship with Batman before, but Batman Returns comes out in 1992. Wow. I know, not your Batman, your guy Christopher Nolan. Did you eventually watch these these Batman movies, though? The, the... No, I haven't. You still um, haven't watched the Tim Burton Batmans? I haven't. I am shocked. Especially Batman <laughs> Returns, dude. Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman and Danny DeVito as the Penguin and Christopher Walken as the... The mayor? Oh, and Harvey Dent comes out, played by Billy D. Williams. Oh. Lando Calrissian himself. Now, he only wow. comes out as Harvey Dent, though. He doesn't come out as, as Two-Face. Oh, he's just Harvey Dent? Yeah. That, doesn't that make it kind of weird when Tommy uh, Tommy Lee Jones plays Two-Face? Uh, I think it's like three years later, though. Because remember... It's like, it's like Three-Face. He goes from being black to a dude who's like half burned, half white. You know, <laughs> that's very funny. That's actually very funny. But remember, there was a change of regime, a regime yeah, yeah. change. So Joel DC Sh deals with that a lot. Wayne's World comes out in 1992. Did you were you ever oh, did you ever become a fan of Wayne's World? Or do you know no, the history I, of Wayne's I, World? I, I became aware of it as time went on, just you just having seen things and, and but no, I never I never got into it. So yeah, so Wayne's World was a SNL skit from uh, Dana Carvey and, and Mike Myers. Mike Myers, you'll know from the uh, Austin Powers movie. Dana Carvey, you'll know from Master of Disguise. <laughs> I don't know what you were watching uh, with Dana Carvey in the in your in your heyday. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a SNL skit that got incredibly popular, and they turned it into a movie, like SNL used to do back in the day. They actually made two movies out of it. Um, the first one came out in 1992. Uh, another big introduction, well, not introduction, but another big movie that comes out in 1992 that kind of sets the career of somebody uh, into motion is the movie Reservoir Dogs. Ooh. Yeah, 1992. Now, this is not the introduction of Quentin Tarantino to the world because he had written the movie uh, True Romance with um, uh, Christian Slater that was not directed by him, but was written by him. Reservoir Dogs is the first movie he wrote and directed himself in the film, starring a hell of a cast because he had Michael. Ensemble. Yeah, and that is an ensemble. You're absolutely right. Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Harvey Keitel, Steve Buscemi, and I forget most. Oh, uh, Chris Penn. Like, there's a ton of actors in that movie. Ridiculous. But it sets the career of Tarantino. Two years later, he releases Pulp Fiction. I mean, it's. It's still a, a movie that holds up. It is a wonderfully acted, written, uh, you know, it's a masterpiece of film. I didn't see it until much later. Um, my my Reservoir Dog story, my Tarantino introduction was, again, the same same friend uh, who uh, introduced me to Jackie Chan and, and all kinds of martial arts movies. Did wonders for my exposure to, to pop culture. We watched Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. The impression I was, I can't, I, I cannot place exactly how old I was, but apparently I was at the tender age where Pulp Fiction hit real well, but the the scene in Reservoir Dogs with the ear getting cut off, man, it like, it freaked me out a little at that age. As a result, I have yet to go back and watch Reservoir Dogs again. 
because it left such an impression on however old I was. I was still kind of young. Oh, wow. So for me, it was the opposite. It made such a great impression. And it's why I go back most of the time. Because you have, you have two things. You have that scene happening. What I love about that is that the scene is happening off camera. So you don't actually see it, see it. And then you see that he finished the job. But the song that's playing, Steeler Wheeler's um, Stuck in the Middle with You, just an instant masterpiece of a song. An instant oh, classic I mean, for me. It's a great scene. It's a great movie. But again... The, there, there's. I, I haven't been. I've never been able to shake whatever the feeling that like. Uh, what, what would I would have been like? To have been sitting know, 13, in that scene. 14 year old me seeing that and then just being. I, I just wasn't prepared yet. Whereas Pulp Fiction, I, I every time it's on, like whenever at that point, like whenever it had come on television because it would come on like TNT or whatever FX, I'd be like, ah, oh, Pulp Fiction. We'll put Pulp Fiction on. Still my favorite. I think that's still my favorite Tarantino movie. Pulp Fiction. Let's see. I wanna. I have I just recently finished the novelization that Tarantino did of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's it's a wonderful wonderful book, like a great companion to the movie, but that also tells a whole different story than the movie and it goes so much deeper into the characters. Dude, it was so much fun to read. But I've watched that probably 6 times since it came out. And that's in the last what 5 years, right? I'm Pulp, still behind Pulp in that fi- sense, too. Pulp so Fiction, I can... I've watched probably over a dozen times in the last 20 years. Man, if I had to pick a favorite, uh, right now, honestly, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is on the top of my list. Ja- uh, Jackie Brown is, is is really good and subtle compared to his other films. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, so good. Satisfying. Glorious so Bastards satisfying. Is satisfying. Oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> I think the least of my favorites would be like Hateful Late. I think it's a very slow movie and and it's not really good though. Yeah, not what I was looking that's, for. That being though. said, that being said, like again, like if you had to pick the worst Tarantino movie, you're like that's still an amazing movie. Yeah, exactly. And so, an award worthy movie. You could say that. And then you know, like I think the the Kill Bill movies were were masterpieces too. So it's that's the problem. Like it's so much to pick from, but. Yeah, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just because I'm a huge fan, I grew up in L.A., it really resonates with me. I think Death Proof, I would put a second place. Death Proof is so good. Again, so satisfying to see the comeuppance at the end. You know, I think Zoe Bell is adorable and she's an amazing actress and an amazing stunt woman um, or stunt person. I'm not sure if that's the proper term. Uh, Yeah, but I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think Picking like the best movie from Tarantino is more of like picking a preference because there is no bad movie. It's also, I also, I want to make a distinction. I don't know about best. I want to say, I said favorite. Yeah. Just because kind of like the connection, like for me, and again, it's my introduction. Pulp Fiction was the first one I watched. Pulp Fiction was the first. I was like, I love this. This is great. So it had that impression and uh, it holds a special place because it was my gateway to Tarantino. And I was very lucky that, um, that I got to watch that as a teenager when, when it uh, close to when it came out, Pulp Fiction, so that I went back to Reservoir Dogs because it was still fresh. I went back to True Romance, and then I was right with him with every single movie that came out. I, I can tell you right now that every one of his movies that has come out, I've seen in the theater. It's, he's one of those guys that he has my money. The minute I hear he's making a movie, I'm more like, he can take my money right it's now. Rare. Yeah. Like, it's rare. It's one of those people where I'm like, he can take my money right now. And I, I wouldn't even question it. So, yeah, so that came out in 92. 
let's talk about TV shows. Popular TV shows in the in the in 1992 are 60 Minutes, Roseanne, and Home Improvement. These are popular TV shows. Any of those? Any of those ring a bell? So, I mean, I'm I'm definitely familiar with all of them. I never got to watch any of them to any to a real extent. A little bit of Home Improvement here and there. It's a good, good clean uh, show, right? Good clean show to watch. I've seen a couple of 60 minute specials much later about things, but um, uh, I do remember very much the ticking clock for there. Oh yeah, that, that was their intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or going to commercial and coming back, you know, that that sticks out to even childhood me, hearing that sound. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I was, I think 60 minutes was a little too adult for me, so I never bothered with it. But definitely Home Improvement, I was a big fan of. Roseanne was a hit and miss for me. I was never the biggest fan. But Home Improvement, I was a, I was a Tim the Toolman Taylor fan, man. That was a show. Um, Going at the speed of plaid. Yeah. So TV shows that ended in 92, two big ones. Who's the Boss with Tony Danza. And The Cosby Show ended in its reign in 1992. Which, again, like in the times that we are in now, you know. It's 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 a thing. It's different. Yeah. Back then, it was the end of an era because, you know, to a certain extent, he was the very first. And and I think Bill Cosby, all through the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, it was a, a clean comedian who, who kept a really good portrayal of a, of a black man. And the TV show, I think a lot of people would say that they grew up seeing, you know, uh, the ideal, like positive um, interpretation of a, of a black family, the way you know, things are now and the way he's selling yeah, that. Yeah, devastating. I don't think it ruins the fact that that was still a show that was showing a positive image of instead of, you know, like what we see most of the time or we had seen before that. Yeah. So, so that that show ended. Shows that started in 1992. There's two exciting ones for me, but we'll, we'll leave those for last. Did, were you ever a fan of Sailor Moon or even that at all, that, that whole storyline? No, I never got into Sailor Moon. I know of it. Um, I have a, I have a friend who's super into it. Um, but, uh, no, I, uh, I didn't get into that one. Okay. I was never into it too, but I know that it, it made a cultural impact when it came out and it's still it like a, a very big show, but that was because at the time I was watching anime, but I wasn't watching that type of anime. Like I was still like watching Akita, you know, from like the late eighties, early nineties, the X-Men TV series comes out in 1992. My favorite X-Men of all of them. So that's why I bring that one up. I think that's on Disney Plus too. I gotta watch that again. Is it? I think it is. Oh shit! They bought Fox. They own all the rights to wait X Men stuff. Wait, does that mean they're gonna have the Batman animated series? Because that was Fox. I don't right? know. Yeah, I don't know how the but that, but then you get into the rights of did Fox like is there also DC ties with it? Is there uh, shared rights? Gotcha. Like I don't I don't know. That gets complicated. I think what cleaned things up is like Disney had the rights to Marvel, obviously. But not X Men because X Men right Fox still because of Fox stuff. But then they bought Fox, so the hell with it. Now they've got them too. Yeah, because that was the issue they had with uh, Spider Man joining the the uh, the MCU, right? And same with the Fantastic Four and the X Men because they yep. were in a separate. They're doing. I think they're rebooting Fantastic Four. They again. are. I think Disney's doing it. Yeah. Oh man, we'll see um, a third time's the charm. Fourth, what is it now? But yeah, no, I was a I was a huge fan of that X Men TV series, dude. I I oh yeah, I was a fan that, of the now. Delivery. Yeah, I I was a huge fan of the '90s Gold uh, X Men team. You know, where like 
uh, where Wolverine had the brown outfit and like and Storm had the mohawk and she looked all punk. The best, dude. Unfortunately, they they were close and they they kind of went with the with the Jim Lee style of uh, X Men. Still one of my favorite Cyclops uh, outfits, you know, things like that. But that was such a great show. I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, but speaking yeah. of Batman, Batman the Animated Series comes out in 1992 also, which is, to this day, one of the greatest uh, animated shows I've ever seen. I did not get to watch those consistently because it would just be like if you were lucky enough to get on the right station at the right time. And obviously not in – I mean, when I was four, I wasn't watching them. But – since then, I have watched copious amounts. I don't think I managed to get through. I was doing a, uh, I did a, a watch through where I got through several. How many seasons of Batman anime were there? Like six or five? So, so what happened with them is that they had two to three seasons on Fox, and then uh, the WB or Channel Five for us, whoever that was, they picked them up for Batman and Robin. So kind of continuing the same story, but they got different artists. They just ruined it. But I want to oh, say... Oh, it changed it. Yeah, but I want to say the original was three seasons, and then they had another couple seasons with that other uh, with that other network. Maybe I did make it through that then, and I only didn't make it through the newer stuff, because I was watching. I went and watched a bunch of Batman animated, and it's so good. And the style. The style is just so unique. And that's another one of those things where, like, the old animation style, it shows. You know, and even if someone redid it and did it the convenient way on modern stuff, it seems like it it wouldn't necessarily translate, you know? It didn't. And that, that was the so that was the problem that I had because one of the things that made that show very original uh was the the vibe and the look of it, you know. So they went with like a you know, a very retro stylized city and time, but very modern like uh things were it makes happening. Makes it timeless as well. Yeah, it does. so it makes yeah, exactly. Uh, the Batmobile. Oh, my, dude, I I have the the micro machine, not micro machine, but like the the Hot Wheels, like you know Batmobile. Like I literally have it always near me. Like <laughs> you know, I love that show. And and one of the things that they did really well is in order to in order to keep the atmosphere of what the show was trying to do, that they used to draw that show on black paper and force the colors to come out. So it wasn't like drawing on white paper and, and making it dark. It was like, no, it, they started dark and they were trying to make it light. You know, the 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 voice, right? Kevin Conroy, like it just, it, it was a it was such a great TV show. But I, yeah, they had three seasons and then they moved over for the final season as the Batman or the Adventures of Batman and Robin. And I think that's where, like you said, they just weren't, they didn't want to follow the that they wanted to change it up i remember what bothered me the most was like in the drawings they made them look more frail like the women became really skinny and it, i was like you you lost a little bit of the coolness of this show by by making them uh, making everybody a little more cartoony and dainty almost like the i remember the the women were like toothpicks to me compared to like the original catwoman but yeah, no, I, I to this day, I think uh, the Great Ghost episode is, is by far my favorite. I, I, I absolutely saw that. It's so good. It's such a great oh, episode. Man. Such a great episode. Deaths in 1992. I got a couple that you might know. Do you know the name Dick York? Sounds familiar. So you would know him because of your old timey TV show. He was the lead in the show Bewitched. Okay. That that's all he was kind of pretty much known for, though. He did a lot of episodic stuff, you know, an episode here or two. But but the uh, Bewitch was his big one. Does the name Anthony Perkins ring a bell? I'm not sure. 
Okay. Anthony Perkins was the lead who played uh, Norman Bates in the Psycho movies. He passed away in 1992. And then this one, uh, Chris McCandless. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. That's that Candles, name. I like. think, yeah. He was the he was the guy that um, the movie Into the Wild was based on, and the the book basically about the man who goes into Alaska, right, and uh, gets himself stuck out there and ends up uh, passing away. And his journal is found with his body, and then they turn it into a book and a movie with uh, uh, Hirsch, Emil Hirsch, right? I think is the lead. Uh, really great, really great soundtrack done by uh, Eddie Vedder. Oh. Yeah, yeah. How about that? Yeah. Music, 1992. This this person is actually still relevant now, which is which is amazing considering how he started. Billy Ray Cyrus. Does that name ring a bell? Yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus in 1992 had the biggest hit on the radio. Every station, with the exception of rap, I'm pretty sure was playing him. But he had achy, breaky heart. Just... <laughs> That's when Aki Breaky yeah, Heart came out. And Billy wow. Ray Cyrus had... Good job, 92. I mean, Billy Ray Cyrus had a mullet that was the straightest, most ironed out hair down to his butt. And at, at the top, like no more, probably no more hair than you. Just maybe three inches. Combed back, just quaffed perfectly. And then this long waterfall of... Beautiful black straight hair down to his fucking ass. Okay, so now he's still relevant now because he still makes music. He most recently, I think he was known for doing that um, duet with like little uh, Nas X with that uh, Old Town Road. But also, he is the father of Miley Cyrus, who you know, who who has grown on me over the years. Uh, you know also her fame through uh, hannah montana and him being on that show i mean the dude's had a quite the career for the last 20 years yeah he made it work he He reinvented himself i mean great so yeah he was the biggest thing of 1992 now here's three albums that came out in 1992 that to this day i still listen to and they're still like solid beginning to end near perfect albums so you have core by stone temple pilots their first album so it had such hits as Creep, it had uh, Sex Type Thing, Wicked Garden, Plush. Uh, again, from beginning to end, near perfect album. I still listen to that. It, it's, it's amazing. Rage Against the Machine's first album, Rage Against the Machine, comes out in 1992. Again, near perfect album. Every song is a banger. And, uh, and then this one, a lot of people know and don't know because it's very centralized in the West Coast. 40 Ounce to Freedom by Sublime. Was that a band that was in your... Sublime? Yeah. Sublime, yeah. But was it... We, but, on the radio. Right, because of California. But the 40 Ounce to Freedom album was the one before the one that, that Santeria and What I Got and all those songs came out in. What's, your, what's on 40 Ounce to... What's so 40 Ounce to Freedom, the biggest one was Date Rape. Oh, yeah, I know that song. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, California. Everybody <laughs> knows... <laughs> Everybody knows Sublime's date rape song. Um, so that was 92. 95 is when that the Sublime Sublime album comes out where, that has like What I Got and Santeria and, you know, all the big hits that everybody knows. But here's a, here's a, here's a fun fact about date rape. When the band wanted to make the album, uh, the music video for it, they reached out to 
Ron Jeremy, and he actually produced the the video for that uh for that song where he even makes a cameo in it. <laughs> uh, amazing, right? The ironies of history. I know, I know. It's fantastic. You gotta wonder if at the time people are doing these things, if they're sitting there thinking about getting bitten in the ass at any point in the future. Well, but think about it. This is a band that's coming, that's barely coming out. This is a a very successful adult entertainer. You know, I mean, well, it's not on them. I just mean him. If he, if he, if oh, he you was cognizant. You know, you sat there. Everybody. Everybody thinks they're going to get away with it. They're going to beat the system. I'm going to be the one to beat the system. We all think that we're going to be the ones to beat the system. But yeah, so that was music. Toys and technology in 1992. Needless to say that X-Men action figures were a huge, huge deal because of the TV show. This was a time when when still TV shows and toys were hugely connected. Like, you know, the Transformers was a toy that got turned into a TV show. Same with like G.I. Joe. The formula was still there, you know, Power Rangers, where you build uh, a whole strategy around the TV show and toys and, and how you're going to manipulate merchandising. The, yeah. And merchandising. we're trying to recapture the glory of Star Wars. Exactly. And how Lucas built an empire on toys. Exactly. Eventually, it became a formula that everybody followed, you know, a TV show, uh, toys, and how you upgrade them and stuff like that. Halloween costumes that were popular in 92. You have the Batman and Catwoman, obviously, because of the movie. In the last episode, we talked about Final Fantasy XI. Final Fantasy V comes out in 1992. <laughs> the, entire, the entire run of our, our, of our show here is going to be studded <laughs> with Final Fantasy releases. <laughs> you know what? I've got to make sure they're connected every year somehow. <laughs> the through line for our lives, Final Fantasy. Yep. Yeah, again, I wouldn't, like, you know... I, that's what I mean. It's like every time I saw something, you go into a video game a store that's got video games. I think it was there was always a Final Fantasy poster because there was always a Final Fantasy, which you know I'm I'm doing the Princess Bride thing where I'm like I do not think that word means what they think it means. There's never the final one. They even make a joke in one of their other games. <clears throat> they have another game where they do a super like sci-fi future thing. Um, they do a a game in the Deus Ex, okay, um, series and. The joke is, this was the same studio ended up making the later games in that series, um, Square Enix, and they have a poster on the wall, and it's like, in the future, it's like Final Fantasy, like, 24, or like, 30-something. <laughs> so they make a joke about it, because they're like, they're aware, they get it. It's it's our version of the uh, Fast and Furious movies, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 it's just, it's forever. It's, all, it's just a thing. <laughs> uh, the arcade game, Mortal Kombat, comes out in 1992. Oh man, dude! I remember when that game came out and me playing it, and I was and the, the blood and gore and the fatalities. That was a game I was very specifically not allowed to play. Oh, in the I can arcade. only imagine the horror that my mom would feel. The uh, that's from a time too. Like man, like uh, similar to the original Prince of Persia game, they actually like mocapped like actual people. Like they filmed people doing yes. the yes to like get the to try to get the movement, which is crazy when you think about it now. And not like mocap in the sense of modern, like we have this cool. They're just like, let's film these people, and then I don't know how they how they got it into the program. Technology: one million PCs have access to the internet, and there are twenty five websites in nineteen ninety two. Twenty four of which are porn, I'm sure. No, no, no. I don't think that. <laughs> I don't think that was a thing. I think at least remember, 
you have to create it, make it work first, and then you turn it into a, a an engine for porn, just like anything else. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's the motivation behind all these websites. It's like the test. Who? Which comedian made the joke about? He said like you know like ninety like he he listed like billions of websites or whatever there is, and he's like and like you know ninety nine percent of them are porn. He's like in fact, oh it was was it um it was uh it was uh Dr. Cox didn't he say the bring back the porn? I don't remember because I I thought you were gonna say he's like. If the website, if all the porn websites were gone, I think it's Dr. Cox. He's like, if all the porn went away, he's like, I'm pretty sure there'll be only one website left. It would be called <laughs> Bring Back the Porn. <laughs> and you know what's funny? That became relevant recently because of of OnlyFans. That joke got brought up again. Oh, right. OnlyFans made their big announcement, right? So I learned a lot about OnlyFans during, like, I've learned about content moderation through my job recently. You have to be real careful when you create a... A platform like the rules there's reasons that you have to have all these rules right like people talk about like oh twitter's just trying to be like the boss and like ban people that it d disagrees with but like you have to have rules otherwise it's anarchy and otherwise the site becomes a porn site like <laughs> if you don't make rules that's what happens on the internet so OnlyFans was not intended to be yeah it's content like associated uh, creation platform yeah 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 and and yet what did it become most synonymous with adult uh entertainment well remember the death of tumblr when they stopped their yeah. when they stopped their nudity and they they, they locked it down out. people were just like why yeah. am i here yeah exactly i'm like i'm gone so when OnlyFans made their big sweeping announcement that they were going to get rid of it there was a, a public outcry apparently and they changed their minds they did very quickly which it was shocking like it Took was shocking that they sit there to yeah and and that joke came back to bring back the porn like i saw tons of the doctor guy <laughs> I, I thought you were going to mention the uh, remember in the movie in the movie Ted did you watch that movie Ted Yeah where where it was like you're always uh, two Google searches away from just a big black dick <laughs> <laughs> It's also true You're two clicks away from porn basically uh, on any search you do <laughs> Oh but yeah that was 92 like, man like uh, again I was I was I was about to I just finished elementary school going into junior high. And uh, yeah, the internet was not even a thing that we were talking about. It was four years before I even touched the computer and like went online. Computers for me too. My introduction to computers came later and initially had nothing to do with the internet. That's all I'll say about it. Cause we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it as we get into later years, mm -hmm. but nothing to do with the internet. It wasn't about the internet. Oh, wait a second. I'm lying, dude. No, in sixth grade, 1992, there was a computer with a floppy disk, a game called Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> never caught her. I never caught her. Uh, all right. But so, you probably learned a lot about uh, geography. I did. I did. That's how they get you. Yeah. And then... Uh, never catch her. And then Oregon Trail. And then I forgot everything I learned. All I knew was about dysentery and snakes killing you. And the ratio of buffalo meat to bullets you have to bring. <laughs> so that covers 92. We'll close it off with some celebrity gossip. This is a good one. Prince Charles and Princess Diana announced that they are separating after 11 years of marriage. That was 92. Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain marry and Francis Bean is born. Wow. Right? Obama and Michelle marry in 1992. Who would have known that, you know... They they would be uh, where they are, and Selena Gomez is born. All right. No, and the reason why I bring that up is because you know how they say um, 
I want to say she's quoted in saying that her mother named her after the uh, the singer-songwriter Selena, who was popular in the early 90s. So she's one of those products of like a popular name, technically, who now is an adult and is named after that. Yeah. So you have it's to... like it's like we're we're getting into that window here where we really ought to have another popular persona is somewhere that's named Britney because of Britney Spears and how and the you know you, you cast a wide enough net how many millions of girls were named Britney because of that where are they but remember at the beginning of the episode I said popular names are Michael and Ashley who what Michael was famous in 1992 Michael Jackson eh it all comes together it <laughs> well we're getting to Gabriel we're coming <laughs> we're getting there <laughs> We just need uh, the the angel Gabriel to be famous for something. To be relevant again. I think the movie The Prophecy starring Mike uh, Christopher Walken eventually comes out and makes Gabriel <laughs> popular again. Get a, you, get a bump in that name. Don't you worry. You're going to get that bump. So, Gabe, thoughts on 1992 so far? So, I mean, a lot of the things that happened in uh, 92, I would become cognizant of. Can't say I was cognizant of much. I mean, I don't know what four-year-olds do. I'm not really hanging out with a lot of four-year-olds. Probably just stomped around a lot and made a lot of noise. I think that the one thing that I, from the things that I've brought up so far, the other episodes will have more things, but I think it's the things that lasted, right? Um, yeah. If Yes, you were not cognizant of four, but the fact that some of these things are caught up to you in your teens and in your 20s, it, you know, it just goes to show you that, that uh, a good product will outlast. Uh, yeah, and certain things have that kind of impact too, right? Yeah, and and, and at least at least within their genre. Yeah, and even if, and again, I, I'm I'm uh, you know I'm handpicking everything, but even some of the things I'm handpicking, you're like, well, to me they were relevant at the time, and and I remember them being very popular. But you're like, yeah, no, uh, that one never made it, never made it up my uh, not into into <laughs> my alley. Never made it to my narrow narrow window. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you everybody for listening, or. To that one listener in, uh, okay, let's pick a let's pick a random. Ooh, ooh. When I was a truck driver, I used to love stopping stopping in Joplin, Missouri. There was this great truck stop there. So, thank you to our one listener from Joplin, Missouri. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in every week, and we'll see you next week.